0: Welcome back to Wanna Vibe. It's Abby, less Issa, today, but don't worry, she's going to be joining us for the interview. It's just me here solo recording the intro, which is super weird and I'm kind of lonely. And Issa, I miss you so much, but I am super excited to introduce my really good friend and such an inspiration to meet Kate Van Horn today on this episode. We're going to be talking about entrepreneurship and spirituality and health and wellness and all of the things that we love. And this conversation was just super awesome. I mean, we honestly could have gone on for hours and we hope that Kate will be back for a part two. But in the meantime, Enjoy this episode. And if you love it, give us a rate, review, and subscribe. And go check out Kate on Instagram, Kate Van Horn, and on katevanhorn.com. Thanks. Love you. <laughs> Wanna Vibe is a podcast and resource speaking simply about all things wellness. We want to break down each topic and start from the beginning, avoiding the assumption that everyone knows the building blocks to a particular subject. The way we see it, wellness is all encompassing of each aspect that
1: affects our everyday lives. In addition to our faves like fitness and nutrition, this could mean anything from relationships to careers, finances, spirituality, and so much more. We are Abby and Isa.
0: Wanna Vibe? Hey. Hi, welcome back to Wanna Vi. I'm, I'm Abby, and today we have Kay Van Horn. Um, I don't even know like what title to give you because you do one million things. So mm. do you want to give us a little intro?
2: Yes, I do a million things. Like I've <laughs> said, I am a, a yoga instructor, business coach, tarot reader, and I guess I like to fall under the category of entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with entrepreneur yeah. I work with and coach women uh, who are creating wellness-driven and consciously-driven businesses, and then I've also, you know, built some of my own brands, including a wellness festival for women um, called the Good Fest. So over the past five years, those have been, been kind of, you know, the offerings I've built out.
0: Yeah, and we can't wait to dive into every single one of them (laughs) Um, but first uh, what we love to do with our guests is just kind of hear a little bit about your childhood and your upbringing Um, like you know what was the environment like that kind of molded you into Mm. the person that you are today
2: yes so I um, my parents divorced when I was three And I'm, I'm an only child. So that created a lot of, um, independence very quickly, but I'm also super close with my parents. I will say, I think my parents and I have always blurred that line of like friendship rather than, um, the parent daughter relationship. But, uh, we were very, very close growing up and I saw my dad every weekend. And then I did, grow up in a very small town, which I think was um, pretty impactful in the sense that it was very competitive. It was a more mm-hmm. affluent area outside of Philadelphia, very competitive. Um, academics and sports were like life there. And I was just not buying into it. So I, I would say that I was a little bit of the like, the outcast in, in high school, I think that I was um, harboring a lot of like anger and resentment that kind of left me to have this like constant bitch face and left me, you know, with my, with my small circle of friends, but not the social butterfly, not doing a ton in the community. Um, and kind of just like keeping to myself, I was always quiet in that sense, but, it was a great school. I just remember like, you know, coming home with like really poor grades, my parents being like, what's going on? Like you're intelligent. What's the deal. And I just, I never resonated with like that, that style. And I, I said very quickly and early on that I really wanted to do my own thing and build businesses. And, and my parents were like supportive of it, but were probably thinking exactly what I would think if my child came to me and said, I'll be an entrepreneur. Like we'll see. Um, it worked out. And it, and it was, I think, because I, I had like the awareness very quickly that that wasn't like what I was driving with, like that, that idea of needing to go to like the best college and all of those things. I just didn't work towards it, but I loved work. So that was wow. kind of how I went.
1: I love that. I wish I was more like perceptive being younger. Yeah. I feel like I was so sheltered that it was just kind of like, I don't know, just tell me what to do as opposed to being like, no, I'm I, I don't agree with this or like, I don't know. I guess mm-hmm. I was always like moving through things because people told me to. So I just did. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I love hearing that because I feel like that's yeah. a being younger and being able to tap into that.
0: Yeah. Very self-aware. Right. Such a that's the word. Um, yeah. and you've been like, like, well, I guess we'll just get to the dirt right away. Why, why wait? But you've been pretty open about your journey with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd love to hear, um, a little kind of like recap of your story, like Mm -hmm. a little notes version for anybody that's listening that isn't familiar. Um, But also like, you know, did you see like, did you see in your upbringing or your environment, you know, feeling like a little bit of an outsider? Do you think that that contributed
2: to that? Do you think,
0: you know, Mm -hmm. there was a catalyst there?
2: Yeah, so I, I think I really started to become acutely aware of my body, probably like middle school, when mm-hmm. essentially puberty. And I was like, what's going on? You know, like I started to just feel like I my body was changing and that was very triggering to me, like change in general felt scary. And mm-hmm. then I started to... Um, throughout high school really obsess over it and make it somewhat of a project for myself because I felt a lot of shame. I was stuffing down a lot of trauma. So what, when I was a kid, when my parents divorced and there was that transition of our homes and everything, a caretaker came into our home that was not a good person and there was yeah. sexual abuse there at, a, at the age of like four right. for some time. Therefore, my very first experience with my body was totally fucked and skewed. And that stayed with me for a long time. Like that anxiety was just like always kind of resting in my chest and my stomach. And I didn't even tell anyone until I was like 16 years old. So that developed a lot. It was a lot. And that was hard because again, like my body was, was no longer defined by myself. I didn't understand. Like it was just tough. And so in high school, as I was preparing, I was a senior preparing to go away to college pretty far, Arizona state. And I just wanted to, just to control something. So I was really scared mm-hmm. of this new chapter and I started to manipulate my food and count every calorie and work out. And, mm-hmm. um, it was, I'd say throughout high school, I kind of uh, flip-flops between like overeating and, and like secretly binging and then restricting. So at that time, my weight was relatively like stable and people st- saw me starting to lose weight and it was like, I looked good. You know, they didn't understand that. It was amazing like, and they don't know. Yeah the compliments were rolling in and that just like fueled the fire. Um, I go away to school. I'm now, you know, thousands of miles from my family and my friends and I just went, went nuts with it. I was in the dorm. I could, I could control everything. I didn't have anyone looking over my shoulder. I didn't have people who previously knew my routines. Um, so that was when it really like escalated and, and became anorexia like fully. Um, I came home for a break Saw my father, and he just immediately started crying because he knew like I was sick, like my hair's falling out now, like the whole thing. And he's like, You're going to treatment. And I was like, No, I'm not. Again, like the angry, angsty. I was like, No way. He's like, You don't really have a choice. Like, you're a kid still. Um, No, yeah, he didn't give a shit. He was like,
1: I love him so much.
2: Yeah, and that's another thing. Like, both of my parents have have battled their own anxieties, depression. Like, they've got their own shit. And that's the the beautiful part of our life and our um, conversation in our home. Like, mental health had no stigma ever. Addiction had no stigma. Nothing, like, everything. Our family has been through it all. So, both in our nuclear family and, like, people in our extended. So, that's, like, the blessing of it was, you know, he saw – oh, this is a mental health issue. This needs like treatment. This isn't something where I just start to stuff like cookies down my daughter's face. Yeah. Right. Um, and my mom, same thing. She knew immediately too. So I go away to treatment. I'm 18 years old. I was very fortunate to have access to like one of the best treatment centers in Arizona. So I was mm-hmm. still part-time in college. That was like our agreement. And, um, cause I didn't want to completely have like no life
1: and it was important a, <laughs> for recovery too, because you're in between, like, I feel like when you're, you were inpatient or like part-time inpatient, I guess. Right. Or was, that I was like outpatient?
2: It was like intensive outpatient. So it was like daily from like, not literally like nine to five.
1: Right. I think yeah. it's so important to integrate school, like that you were able to still have like a quote unquote, like normal life mm-hmm. with it too. Because when you're in inpatient treatment, it becomes this bubble of yeah. like, here, you know, like you eat this and you do this. And it's like this routine. And when you get, they like release you into the wild. You're like, what do I, I do now? Yo, how yeah. do I handle this?
2: You skills. Yeah. You don't have the same skills. And there were a lot of people in treatment who were there from all over the country and just to get this help. And, and same thing, you know, they fly back to all the triggers and the, and the places that yep. bring up and stir up things for them. And you don't have the coping mechanism anymore of your eating disorder. And it's really hard. So I'm very lucky that I got to to do it in a place that was still familiar to me. Yeah. Um, so I'm there for about four months. And then we just started to work through some of the trauma stuff. And it wasn't something I was ready for. Like, I was very overwhelmed. And I didn't want to do that right right then and there. So at this point, my my eating habits are better. I'd say like, I was like fake recovered. I was kind of just doing it for my family. I was doing it to shut everyone up, mm-hmm. um, doing it to get my life back. Cause I knew I was never going to, you know, get out of there unless I started to, to walk the walk. Um, but when I left treatment, I, I still had so much that had opened up like the wound was now just like exposed and I didn't really have anything to use to cope with it. Um, so eventually I did go back to treatment specifically for trauma and women's Uh, sexual abuse, which was another huge journey and where I found and discovered my spiritual practice, yoga, all of those things. Um, So I know that 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 experience in college was that baby step in getting like my toes into something and being open to a really formal form of treatment being okay. And then I I did it when I was ready later on.
0: I'm curious to know, like when you did finally tell someone about your abuse, like, um, was it your mom? Mm-hmm. told and like mm-hmm. how did I mean how did that how did that go basically like was yeah. she like what in the fuck like
2: yeah, did she, I think she you right away I, yes definitely believe me I think that I didn't do looking back like I felt very uh, disassociated for like many years of like my teenagers, like I almost don't even remember. Like and I remember going into her room at like three AM, like kind of waking her up, not really being clear, not like just kind of saying something, but not deeply saying something. Yeah. Um so I don't even think she at that it wasn't until I was in treatment that like the full story came out. And then she freaked. I think that it was like all a blur to both of us. Yeah, right. It was like kind of a half a half truth. Because like, um, I, I don't even know what I was ready. Yeah. for that reaction but I had so much like stuck I did tell my best friend um growing up and she probably around the same time 16 17 I remember being in college and she just was hysterically crying when I told her and I was like are you crying like what's the deal and and that was the first time it clicked where I was like oh this is really hard for people to know and hear like this is heavy and and I've been carrying it and and minimizing the weight of it for a long time
0: right yeah totally and I think that I mean that's like a it's a coping mechanism in itself right it's like self-preservation it's like yeah easier for us to just like not face how deep the trauma is and just kind of zombie walk through our lives and actually like look it in the face and be like this is fucked up and I have to deal with it and sometimes you have when you know like it's great that you found help and to
1: be able to tell somebody else and for their reaction to be like so moved and taken back by it. And you're like, what? That's when yeah. you can be like, Oh, I need to unpack this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, really, yeah. cause I don't know why, like, I'm, a, why are you responding this way? Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: and it's crazy. Yeah. Wild. It and does. so you were in treatment and you found yoga, which obviously became like such a huge part of your life. That's so amazing. I, I wonder like, did you have like a like did you just like hit the mat and you were like yes? Or was it like a, a while of just practice before yeah. it became part of you? Like what was that what was journey moment? like? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I had always been familiar with yoga. I, I danced my whole life. Like I did ballet. Ooh. So no wonder eating disorder central to um and That's true. I That's had true. been like introduced to it and, and taking classes, but never resonated. I just was like, Oh, it's stretching. Yeah. So when they asked us to do it, it felt great. Cause you know, it broke up our day. We were there like in group sessions and I always looked forward to it. And then it wasn't until I went home at night, like I just felt so drained, but yet like still had so much kind of like in me to like express, but I didn't want to talk about it. i have come home and I was living with my ex at the time. This is now after, after college. And, um, you know, he'd ask how it went and I just didn't want to talk about it. I just wanted to like I and I didn't really want to journal about it. I just didn't want to express words through it. So I would get on my mat and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I would just move and I would watch YouTube videos and like I didn't have any money at the time. I didn't belong to a fancy studio. Like it was a really weird time in my life. I wasn't working. It was just a mess. So I just would get on my mat and I remember like actually feeling like, when I would hit, like, a warrior one or be in a child's pose, like, feeling my body, like, the form of it, the actual size of it. I had been body dysmorphic for so long that I didn't even really know, like, what I actually looked like when I looked in the mirror. And, and something about the yoga practice, I was like, oh, this is it. Like, I'm resting in my body right now, and I can actually, like, feel it. And that was, like, the moment I was like, this is really powerful stuff, and this is what it means to be mindful of, of your physical you know, form. And so I just got pretty hooked to it. There was a period I was doing it for a really long time and it it kind of got egoic for a bit. I was like obsessed with like the arm balances and all of that, but it was just exciting and fun. It was a new yeah. community that I, I got to be introduced to. And I eventually took a step back from it a bit um, noticing that it, it got that way. Mm-hmm. And then eventually went back to do my training once I felt like grounded again.
0: Um, I love that. You said two things that it, since we started talking that, brought me to a place and I want to bring it up because I'm a little curious, um, to get your perspective on, you said, um, you know, controlling your diet or controlling your body through your diet and and counting calories and all of those things and then you just said something about body dysmorphia and how like you Mm -hmm. looked in the mirror and you didn't know what you look like and this is something that i think about a lot when we're talking because Mm -hmm. we are very both very um involved in fitness and nutrition and it's something that we like love which is kind of why we started this podcast just so we could like take wellness to you know, the people who might not have access to the things that we have access to, right. like yoga retreats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like I look in the mirror and I don't I don't think that I have an eating disorder. I don't think I have body dysmorphia. I don't think that I have an unhealthy relationship with food or exercise, but I for sure look in the mirror and cannot tell you like what I actually look like because I can only see my flaws and I count my calories, but that's because I have goals in terms of like, you know, where I want to be what I want to achieve from that perspective so I'm just curious like where you see the line there between like healthy and unhealthy
2: Mm -hmm. from a mental
0: perspective
2: I think it's so individualized and, and personal but I think it's intent I think it's all back to intention of is it to discipline punish change yourself or just better yourself like I think it's all in the way it's it, it's being presented in your own mind like in the way you're talking about it and like how you handle um hiccups and how you handle like you know not not keeping up with roles one day and how you speak to yourself that way I think too like the whole looking in the mirror I think this is very common and not seeing ourselves for who we are has a lot to just we are so our body, like, I know immediately how I'm doing emotionally based on how I look in my body. Like, I know, am I having a hard time? Did someone make me feel rejected? Is work not going well? Right. Am I fear? Like, I feel big. I feel, like, full of fear or or something. Um, and vice versa. I feel like when I'm feeling really good, I see myself for what I am. And I'm like, no, you're, like, strong and fit and beautiful. And, like, you know, it just depends on how life's going for us. So, I think that it's – I think goal setting, like, in the way that you just said um, – it, it keeps us working towards something that feels like a success and we're, that feels good. So it comes down to just, you know, self-talk and the way that you actually view it all. Like, is it, is it punishment? Is it because you have to change? Is it the fear of looking the way you do now or is it simply to enhance and, and better Mm,
1: just in the way that you speak, A, I think it's so amazing that your parents got you into treatment and were open about it because so many families don't have that or like there's this big stigma and they don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it's like they would have done like the cookie thing and been like, here, just just eat a little more honey. Like that's what you need, you know? And it's like really just making it more aggressive. Um, I think that's so important. And I think that once you're in treatment, I went to treatment for an opiate addiction. Um, mm. I just think they everything that they tell you. Like once you get out of those places, it's like that never leaves you. Those mm. those little yeah. mantras and those thoughts. And you know that if you go back to the behaviors that you were making you fall apart, that there's like this little weird voice. It's like, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. Or like exactly. if you start to speak negatively to yourself, just like in your head, you can almost like take a step back and be like, like you said, like, um, did somebody make me feel bad today? Is this why I'm talking like this to myself? Mm -hmm. And you can kind of start to pinpoint and say like, okay, this isn't me. Mm -hmm. Like this is just outside factors that are trying to affect me and I can control how I respond to this now. Cause at least like I would, I would think maybe this is like kind of similar to food. At least it was for me with drugs. It was, it came to a point where it was like, I had to tell myself, I can do this if I want to. Yeah. I'm just choosing not to, like the power I had to like take back and say like, I, I could get high as shit right now, but I'm saying no. <laughs> it's uh, in my terms. Good for you. Yeah, good for you. No, I'm just say saying, no I, just, I just see the similarities. of yeah, I like, no, 100%. Of like how you speak to each other or like speak to yourself and how that like information gets seeped into your brain. And now like just how you you're talking now is so nice to hear that you're mm-hmm. from like the outside perspective and being able to pinpoint certain challenges like that you face daily. Everybody
2: faces them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah, it's really true that like, once your eyes are open to recovery and what that actually looks like, not just like, you know, band-aid recovery, but like true, yeah. it's integrated, it's part of you, it's part of your self talk, you can't really go back to sleep. And, and that was something that we had to, you know, really face in treatment as a group of the conversation around like, this is always going to be a problem for me, like, I, like right. and with any addiction, right. this is always going to be something I need to maintain and keep a watch for and like, I cannot just ignore it. And that's really hard to accept at first of like, this is always going to be something in the back of my mind, but thank God I, I'm aware of it now. And yep. at the age that I was able to tackle it and it is what it is. But I, I talk to women in recovery or, or battling, you know, their eating disorder still. And I throw them so much love and compassion because the bottom line is like, we can't abstain from eating. Like right. our biggest trigger is three times a day and it's not something like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to no longer drink. You know, it's like, we have to keep going through it. So that's why there's going to be messy and imperfect days. And that doesn't, and that, that's another thing that was, I'm very all or nothing black and white type A. So to know that I'm still in recovery, even if I have a day where I feel an urge to restrict or an urge to like, you know, check out what I weigh and obsess over it, that doesn't mean that I'm not, that I've completely fallen.
0: It just, it's normal. Exactly. That's really important and really powerful. Absolutely. Um, and I i I want to like, I want to talk about yoga as part of your recovery because it was clearly, yeah. Did you have I No, saying? continue. Oh, yeah, I heard a breath and I, I was, was like, like yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Because <laughs> um, it was clearly like a very um, important piece of your journey. Right. So what, what made you want to share that with other people and become a teacher? And did you do yoga before treatment?
2: Like a little bit.
0: Okay. Like
2: every once in a while, but I definitely didn't. (laughs) Barely. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I need to stretch today. I'll do a little yoga. Um, But it it wasn't like a practice or something that I really integrated on any like form of spiritual level or, or off the mat. I didn't understand it. Mm The, I'd say that the, Time that I decided to actually teach was when um so I had been blogging, so this all began. Like my blog started when I was in treatment and yeah, I had no plan. All
0: the blog's name What's was
2: life? Oh, she became on it. She it. <laughs> I love that. It was mostly food focused. I would just, you know, show like nourishing meals and talk about mindful eating and the fact that like I'm eating from a place of self-love, I'm moving from a place, which is just kind of like a diary style yeah sharing mostly recipes um because I wasn't a teacher and then I started to you know keep the practice of yoga for myself and then I don't know I think I think like I started to no longer just want to be a blogger talking about it I wanted to feel like I had some sense of authority on the subject or like the ability to share in some way beyond just like this is what I did today um that got boring really really fast for my Capricorn self I wanted to like (laughs) make it a make it a career. Uh, So I decided to go to to do my training. And at first, when I was in there, I was enjoying it. I really liked the group. I was not regretting it. But I knew immediately, like, I am not a yoga teacher. Like, at my core, like, this is not who I am. It doesn't come effortlessly to me. I was terrified up there. Like, I was like, let me get through these 200 hours. I paid for them. I gave it a shot. I would have never known unless I tried. But I did not feel like that was my, my role. And then it wasn't until later that I kind of I worked with a mentor one-on-one after my training because I felt very discouraged. I was like, I thought this was going to be the thing. I thought this was going to get me out of just like being like the blogger. You know, I was excited to have a, to have a purpose and I felt like I didn't get that from my training. So I worked with this mentor, Nina, and she taught me about tarot. She taught me how to change and refine my voice and my craft as far as yoga and have it not look like, you know, what we've been taught in training and that's okay. Um, and I started to kind of create my own, my own way and my own flow of teaching that resonated way more. Um, so now I pretty much just kind of do my own thing.
1: <laughs> and what is your own thing called?
2: It's called Embodied. So I developed a workshop uh, that's, that integrates strength, yoga and bursts of cardio and intentional breath work to move through something in the body. So to go inward, look at and assess energetically like where different parts of our story are still kind of living where we're holding them, and then moving through with with a bit more intensity than a typical yoga class. And um, also a lot more freedom to just move as you see fit, not necessarily follow a flow. That's awesome.
0: I've been fortunate enough to have taken um, Kate's class in Costa Rica, and it was super fun. That's awesome. And also, like, I don't know, like, I don't know how to explain it, but there's like a vibe, you know, like, I I don't know how to explain it and it's interesting because and I'm not trying to put anybody on blast here but um, you mentioned you referenced when we were talking about it that you were inspired by Taryn Toomey and Mm -hmm. the class which is like I, I went and I didn't like it and I don't know that I didn't like it because of what it consisted of from a movement perspective but it was fucking hot cause it's a heated room. It was cramped. Like your mat is literally touching the person's mat Mm -hmm. that's next to you. And everybody was like really kind of like snooty. And so I, or I walked in there with a bad taste in my mouth. Right. And I just like, couldn't get down with it. So, I can't remember if you said it before we started class or after, but I was like, "Oh, no." And then we did it. I was like, "Oh, yes." And I just wonder if you took, <laughs> if if I took the class out of the class, I would have enjoyed it, but there was something just like very freeing about in body. Like it just it was fun, but you could feel the energy moving through you.
1: It's nice not to yeah. have people that are like uppity in class too and like uptight honestly Mm -hmm. fire shaper and rutherford fuck y'all
0: why i don't like them they're mean whoa we have to take this offline sorry that's a harsh stance i need to know more about (laughs) this um (laughs) sorry i see (laughs) yeah so then i mean one of our questions was like how did you how did you come up with the concept of embody like were you just like i i'm were you in your living room like just like kind of like listening to music and, like, and just like and moving you around. can't see what I'm doing right now but I'm like doing like <laughs> a wave yeah you're like very wiggly right now
2: <laughs> thank uh, you. pretty much after my first ever experience with the class and by the way thank you for sharing your your thoughts on the difference because I agree with you I think there's definitely a there's something pretentious a little bit about their yeah. branding I think mm-hmm. it's um, missed opportunity because the movement and the actual premise of what is being taught is mm-hmm. extremely trauma-informed and trauma-informed movement and trauma-informed practices need to be in every community, not just, yeah. you know. Right.
0: Um,
2: so that's difficult for me to see that untapped potential, I think. Well, like I would love to, you're tapping to speak up. Yeah. I, hope so. uh, I would love to see Embody being taught, you know, in college campuses and, and women's shelters and the places that I needed this yeah. practice to, not just uh, for fifty dollars in Soho. Yeah. Um, but anyway. That aside, I did develop it just, like, in my living room. I I knew that I wanted to find something that combines, like, I loved the choreography part of it in the sense that because of my dance background, like, I loved, like, the music is the the biggest part. Like, I feel like I choose the movement based on on the music and I obsess over the playlist. And I know that, like, music is what can bring so much emotion out of me. Um, And then from there, I just – I created a structure – pretty early on that, like, could fit, like, I know where to place things in, in the flow. And then eventually, I hope to teach other people like how to follow that as well. So I really did make it pretty formulaic, like, immediately and, and little details, like, you guys might not even realize when I'm teaching it. But like, I go through the four elements of like earth, water, fire, and air, like throughout the whole practice because I feel like that creates harmony in the body. Like I don't necessarily say that a time, but when I'm placing things, that's what I'm thinking about. And in the opening um, song, like same thing. I wanted to, I wanted there to be a lot of intention behind everything, whether people even realize that it was there. So that's what I tried to do.
1: That's I love that. That is a true gift. Do you think, like in in body now, you are like hear
0: a song and you're like. Yes, this is where I'm going to build. No, I know
2: immediately what song it's going to
0: be. We were, we did it at the end of one of your, one of your classes. You played Desiree. Remember, you got to be bad. You yes. got to be bold. And I, I now, like two months later, cannot fucking stop singing that song. And it makes you think of Kate. Yes, 100%. I, I'm in Costa Rica in the jungle yeah. listening to fucking Desiree. And then also, um, can you sing? We again? were no. Yeah. <laughs> we were walking home one night I think from dinner and you were like do you have any any song requests like I need to make a playlist and you were kind of like not stressing out. That's like a really aggressive word but you were yeah. like clearly thinking about it and I was like don't you just have an old playlist you can use like you're like yeah but I oh, like, yeah. was it fresh and I'm like yes, but we don't know the difference exactly. like we've never heard your playlist <laughs> before and you're like I can't do that and I was like all right respect
2: like <laughs> Like I teach I know, definite
0: perfectionist. I know
1: that I know this playlist <laughs> yeah. already.
2: Exactly. And I teach better when I'm like, all right, I'm showing up in a new way. Because that's the thing too. Like I've had classes. Um, I did a retreat in Italy once. And, and I kind of feel for the group because they got a lot of anger from me. Like I had them screaming, pounding their fists. Like I was like, and I, my friend Sierra was there on the retreat with us. And she was like, were you angry personally? Because you like really wanted us to be angry. Wow. And then Shout other- out,
0: Sierra. We miss you. <laughs> And, and then
2: other, other classes, I feel like a lot of joy. It just like it feels very more. It's much more playful, and songs are more playful. So I think it just kind of happens as it's meant to. Yeah, and that sounds, That's awesome. Sarah
0: was in awesome. Costa Rica with us. I said hi to her. I don't know her though. She's like stupidly gorgeous and the sweetest person ever. And oh. it's so unfair that one human got all of her amazing qualities. <laughs> um, okay, so. I I just like totally had a stroke and like lost my train of thought. Um, (laughs) So if somebody's taking your class for the
1: first time, how do you speak to them about it? Or like, if you're saying, oh, you should come to my class. Like what is, how do you prep somebody who's walking into your class for the first time?
2: Two things I would say to them. You're going to get out what you're willing to put in and like Mm -hmm. what, what level of discomfort you're willing to reach. That said though, like be open to feeling, but be open to not. Like someone next to you might be having a real breakthrough Mm -hmm. And you might just, it just feels like good movement and that's okay. Um, know that your experience will be whatever it's meant to be. And that if you're open to feeling, feel, but if feelings don't come up, that's okay. Like, I think it's just the permission for it not to be a big monumental moment. If it's not meant to be, Mm -hmm. I really, I really, that's sometimes like all the anticipation you go in thinking, you know, I'm going to move through something. I'm going to, there's stuff stuck in me. Like I'm going to feel, I'm going to scream, I'm going to cry. That puts a really... Uh, difficult expectation around the practice and it needs to just be what it's going to be
0: oh, that's yeah nice. totally i love that um so in addition to yoga and embodying mm-hmm. like we've touched on earlier you also have co-founded a festival the good festival mm-hmm. that is so cool so fucking cool How do, you even do that that is so cool so i want to i guess like i guess we're going there like let's go there now Tell us everything. One way ticket. <laughs>
2: so we, um, my two partners and I, met through the Philadelphia. This is when I was still living there at the time. Like wellness scene, you know. One of them worked and managed a healthy juice restaurant. The other was a health coach. I was blogging. We just kind of like ran in the same circle and and liked to hang out because many of our friends and coworkers and people that we spend our time with, didn't have the same interests. So that's what we would do. We'd, we'd go grab a yoga class or do something like that. And then one day we were at coffee and it was in 2016. It was like August. I remember it was the summer. And, um, we just were like, Philly's really lacking like a true event, a true experience, like something cool. Like, like the ultimate day of just like from start to finish, like it's everything that you want in a wellness day. Um, like how, how you
1: think of like Philly? It's like, Cheesesteaks, mm-hmm. everything that's like heavy and anti—not anti, but like the opposite of health and wellness.
2: Totally, and there, and we knew because we knew some of like our women and clients and readers and followers and all these people in the community that were like so hungry for it, and we're so over like that being like what Philly's about. Philly's a very like heavy drinking, like everything's a happy yeah, hour, like everything's the
1: mummers and like doing all that and like going out on Center Street or whatever it is, right? Center,
2: yeah. So yeah. I was like, you know, we need to just kind of shake up the conversation around wellness in our city and do it for our city. And I think that's why it was so successful was because we didn't try to be big shots and like take it to LA or New York. We knew that it would be, you know, a, a, in a sea of a million there. So we tried to do it in a city that had nothing like it. And that's why it took, it took off very quickly, yeah. especially there. And then kind of like, you know, laid up this opportunity in other cities around the country. Um, so we started planning it. And again, like my Capricorn came out like, let's really go for it. Let's get a true venue space. Like we wanted to keep it casual, fifty people. And I was like, no, fuck that. Like
1: we're gonna do it. Let's go big.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So we had three hundred and fifty women the first event. Wow. How
0: do you how do you even touch three hundred and fifty people? Like was it word (coughs) of mouth? Did you do any kind of like marketing?
2: Yes, we did market. Social media was very different back then. I'd say it was easier to get more traction online in 2016. Um, And then on top of that, we were very lucky to book talent um, and speakers that we had had made and networked with who had great followings as well, whether they were podcasters, they had their community and their base. So they got the word out. And I mean, we truly could not have done it without them. So um, then it was our job to just like literally set the stage and create a great experience we were it was hilarious I'm, I was living at my dad's at the time we were in between my boyfriend and I were in between apartments and I, I moved back in for like three months while we found our next place I'm like nannying part-time because I quit my job like I'm just a mess and I'm on the phone like asking brands for like twenty thousand dollars and like making shit up as I go and like it was just—it was a, a learning experience, like yeah. from start to finish, because we just had no event background.
1: I gotta give you guys credit though, It had not That's coming brave, from a, yeah. of a
0: background of like event planning, and you're just like, we're
2: just gonna, gonna do, do it. it.
0: That's it. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like almost it's—I it, mean, devil's advocate, it's almost better that you didn't have experience because had you known what you were getting yourself into, would you, mm-hmm. you know, have no. like taken such a plunge? You know, talk about that, like,
2: if we had any clue, we would have never done this. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I we, know. It was, it's hard. I yeah, mean, all it of us could be though. Totally. I think yeah. it was. And I think um, from there, we went, we moved on. We went to LA, we took things to New York. We did retreats. We went to Austin. I mean, we took it all over. And that was really a crazy couple of years, the past couple of years. We recently um, sold the business to a new owner. So we're still involved in yeah, but it's awesome. been a journey for Crazy.
0: sure. Crazy. I know we just missed your, um, the, not your, but the mini event with Aaron Claire Jones, who's been on our podcast mm-hmm. before last week, I think it was in New York two weeks so, ago. Yeah. We wanted to go, but I feel like we had conflicts or something that night. And next time.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: sure. so then the last, probably not the last, but the other like little component that's, um, floating around here is your tarot reading. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I know that you touched on before that it was one of your coaches that kind of like opened, yeah. opened you up to that world. So um, I'm curious to hear from your perspective, because I've had two readings with you now, and I'm like, addicted. <laughs> um, you are very, very gifted. Um, like, how, how, how did you hone that practice? And what about it called you, you know, like you, did you pick up a deck and just like, think like this is a tool that I resonate with and it needs to be mm-hmm. a huge part of my life.
2: Yeah. So I actually started receiving tarot readings in college and I didn't tell anyone there was a tarot reader like by my campus and I used to go to her far too often and spend like <laughs> all my bartending money on this bullshit. And looking back I was just I really liked this like witchy kind of this darker I think I've always because of the trauma because of things that I've worked through because of all the therapy like I've really like identified with like shadow stuff you know and knowing that like I have that part of me we we all do the dark and the light and not being really afraid to like explore them um so I used to just be really drawn to her and her help and her guidance and but embarrassed at the same time. Like if my friends knew I was doing this, you know? So then I met my mentor at a workshop. She was teaching in Philly actually with us with Good Fest. We did something like, small with her and um, she brought her deck and I didn't know she was going to be doing tarot at the event. And she started to just kind of like pull cards for the group. And the deck was so beautiful. It's the same one I use now, the wild unknown. And she was just so mysterious. And I just saw so much of like, But also real, like normal, spoke like, she didn't look like this ethereal, you know, witch, for lack of a better word. She was just a very real and grounded woman who, like, knew herself so well and was so powerful. And um, I was just so drawn to her. So that's why we started working together on the mentorship. And she said, Are you interested in tarot? And I'm like, I am. So I, I got my deck and I just started to work through it. And it was the thing. You know, I, I have a meditation practice. I have a breathwork practice. I have a yoga practice, but I don't do them every day. Tarot is mm-hmm. the only thing that, no matter what, no matter how hectic my day is, I touch my cards. Like I do something with them every day. Wow. So I, that's what I do. Like this is the thing that like mm-hmm. lights me up most I don't even have to think about it as routine. It just it, for two years now. It it's is. been like, hard. yeah, it just is. Um, so I started to give readings to. Literally anyone who would take them, um, and I started to just be really like it was very affirming, like knowing that their response was positive and that they were like getting something from it. Um, and then I started to do it with with more clients and students, and to this day, like I used to have like a very formal way of pulling and all of that, but I just kind of like I see what happens, like I. Abby like has done wrong with me in Costa Rica. Like I'll let people hold the deck. I'll guide them through a meditation first for a couple minutes. Like Mm -hmm. whatever's meant to come through will, but it's just such a fun conversation starter. And I feel like the imagery is so like slap in your face. Like sometimes you, you see things that are so jarring and it brings to light what you already know. And it's like, all right, are we going to face it for real now? or Are we going to still run? Um, So that's the fun challenge that I get to like kind of hold space for with, with people.
0: That is so cool, what's interesting to me about Tarot and like it's a love hate type of thing, and I know that you're gonna be the exact same way when you get a reading from Kate mm-hmm. is like it's like so specific and yet so vague at the same time, <laughs> so it's like a specific lesson right that's that the card is is telling you or a specific that's lesson the right word,
2: yeah,' that's a like lesson.
0: theme, I guess, yeah, but you don't necessarily know what that relates to. So I was like talking before I think we started recording about like how my 2020 um, reading was like May, we pulled a card that represented betrayal. And I'm like now like tripping out about May. And like, it could be like something really fucking stupid. And when, once May comes and goes, it could have been like a fight that like I got in with my mom, you know what I mean? Or something like that. So I don't know. It's just like, it's interesting. But it's also like, it stresses me out a little bit. But then then when there's good cards I'm like super excited about April. I'm like give me the money, honey. You know what I mean? Like when is April? <laughs> Where is April? So I don't know. I think it's I think it's so just such a rad tool to have in your toolbox. Like it's just so fucking cool. It's very awesome hearing you talk about it too because just in the, when you started talking about
1: it, you like it was almost like you were grounded in what you were saying. Like you were very confident and firm of like mm-hmm. I really enjoy this and it you could tell that you enjoy doing it and that you're passionate about it just in the way you spoke is cool.
0: Do you think that like from when you were hiding, getting your readings in college till now that it's like the confidence has come from, you know, the confidence in sharing it has come from within you or do you think that also as a society, like the stigma around alternative um, practices and healing and things like that is just becoming like less of a thing. Like we're becoming both. more accepting of it, both.
2: Yeah, I think both. I think I've now, you know, found my people. You know, the people I who resonate with this and and those are open to it. I think in general the stigma is lessening, but then it definitely still exists. Like it, it's funny though, like harping on the confidence and the and the groundedness around something. My family, particularly my dad's side, like I would not say has ever had any interest in this, and and probably if it wasn't me doing it, it would. Laugh and roll their eyes, right? And that's okay, but I, when I tell them I read tarot, I do so in such a way that's like self assured and and confident, and they believe me, (laughs) they're like, All right, like. I'm into it. Now my dad's texting me for readings. And I'm like, this is like, that's amazing. In the way you
1: were presenting it, like it's all how you present to somebody. Cause you know, you'll have somebody who's like, I do tarot," Woo. And like, get like all like, you know, kind of creepy with it. And then, but you were just like, yeah, this is what I do. And I can read it for you if you want. And let me show you or whatever. And then it's like, and especially if it hit the nerve, you're fucked. (laughs) You know, you're like, oh my
2: God. Completely. And I think it's making sure you don't present yourself as this like mystical guru. Like that's yeah. not going to resonate or make people feel comfortable when you, when you come off as this like, like fortune teller that had, no, we all have free will. Like we don't know the universe is going to do what it wants. Like yeah, sure. I'm just here to facilitate a conversation with a tool that, that works for me. Like yeah. hopefully resonates with you. That's it. It's not, it's really not that deep. Like we could talk about all these things without the cards. They just make the conversation get there faster yeah. and it empowers us with like, okay, this is the lesson that's coming up for me, or this is what I've been avoiding. Now's my chance.
0: Yeah. I
1: love that. I do too. A lot. It scares you. you bro,
2: I'm intrigued by tarot, but it scares, it me, scares
0: because me because it can be little. so broad. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: Oh my gosh, I guess I have to change my plans on the train in May to June. So it doesn't,
0: Oh, no. just kidding. Well, I guess you better rip that bandaid off. <laughs> can you just betray me now? Betray me right now. Don't worry about it. To know. Can we erase it in there? <laughs> um, wow. Okay. So l- lastly, lastly, is your is your coaching. So I'm curious, like, as a coach, when, first of all, oh my God, I have so many questions, but when did you decide, like, okay, I'm ready to help other women with their journeys like what did that look like for you and do you ever struggle with like imposter syndrome
2: all the time i do and i don't i think after after good fest became successful and we were able to launch that i had learned so many different areas of not just my own personal brand online social media all that but like integrate that with like my my personal experience with the yoga, the the meditation and an actual business that we scaled and got people there and like managed 500 different pieces of, I was like, I know what I'm doing. Like, I also feel like I have pretty good intuition of the areas of business that are worth people's time and not, because that was the first lesson I had to learn was I have limited funds to start any of this. I'm only one person. What is a good use of my energy? I feel like that is the, the thing that a lot of people were coming to me fellow bloggers, fellow yoga teachers, entrepreneurs in this, you know, wellness world were always asking me of like, well, where do I start? What's step two and what's not worth my time? Because I'm able to sniff that out really fast. Mm, And when I work with women, I tell them like, I'm not a manifestation coach. I'm not a mindset coach. Like I'm really... I don't, not that I don't want to work with a client that needs to go get through that. I can, but I want the woman who already knows, like, this is what I'm meant to do. I just need a plan in place because that's where I really thrive is like execution and helping them to let them be, you know, their creative selves, their passionate selves, because it's their baby. They're going to have the most passion about it than anyone. And I can actually get it off the ground. Like I tell them we're only working together for two months because I don't believe coaches, not that I won't continue to support them after, but coaches keep clients on forever and it becomes a stock home, Like you can't do it without your, your mentor. And I don't want that. I want them to feel ready to go and ready to jump after our two months. And then I also really like to work through like a, a project so that no matter what, whether that's launching the website, booking their first client, um, they feel like, okay, I ticked off like a huge, yeah. um, check mark off of the list and, and we did it together.
1: Oh my God. You're like mama birding the shit out of them.
0: It's like Bom, You're done.
2: I love- Fly baby. <laughs> Fly you little bitch. Get out of here.
0: Um, I love that. You know, you're so, oh I was just kicked over your water. You're so self-assured. Yes. And it's so refreshing, refreshing and inspiring. And I have an off the cuff question because you speak with such authority. Ooh, I love Africa. Um, like, what what do you consider your weaknesses? Ooh, look at that face. Uh, <laughs> She's like, like shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I'd say that that business and work have always been where I feel really strong. Where I'm still definitely struggling is my personal relationships, love, mm. accepting love, receiving love, and that's probably why I'm like, I'm a badass business coach, but like, I couldn't tell you how to date. I couldn't tell you how to, and that's okay. Like, those are the areas I'm still, I feel like this past year, 2019, was a lot of healing in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and business was not really a focus, which was weird for me and weird for me to step into being softer and more in my feminine and more sensitive. Like, I have always attacked life with a very fiery, angry, more masculine approach. I don't like that oh, at all. Oh my God. I oh, could no, get it no, done no. if I just. Yeah. Go for it out of my so, way.
1: Yeah. Like get out of my way. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: So that, that, that trait in me is a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing in business. Right. Um, sure. it's really hard when like, I'm working with someone, whether this is romantically friendship, family who doesn't see my point of view. And I'm like, well, if I just like trailblaze through you, maybe I can force it. I'm like, no, right. I can't. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I'd say that's for your honesty.
0: Yeah, that was a great answer. It It really was. Um, Mm -hmm. So like so much, like everything that you do is just very grounded in like self-love. That -hmm. seems to be your overarching theme, regardless of whether or not you're pulling someone's cards or helping them grow their business. Um, So what do you do for self-love? Like what are your practices? Obviously, we know Tarot is one of them. Tarot is definitely one
2: of them. Um, it started my very first like practice of, of self-love was, um, just like basic affirmations, to be honest, Mm -hmm. and learning, uh, how to compliment and assure myself without any like, um, contingencies, not like you're doing well, considering your situation, you know, like you're just doing well, like things are going to be okay because they have to be, no, things are going to be okay. Just, I, I started to just reframe way spoke to myself of like with more more clarity and and keeping things more definitive um and being letting myself love be a product of something i cultivated for myself rather than affirmation of you must be doing well you made money this month like no right um so that was a big step i'd say i've tried i think movement is is definitely a form of self-love for me i love the fact that after my treatment, I took a while, um, away from like organized exercise in the gym and stuff like that. It was too much. Mm-hmm. I love that. I now am in a place where I can go to these fun classes and do my thing and just enjoy it. And it not, it not be triggering for me. It really does feel grounded and yeah. in love. Um, so that's fun. And I, I mean, my, my business and my work is a form of self love for me. Like that's me expressing myself and being my most authentic self. So I feel so in my power and good there, and grateful. Um, but yeah, I think that those are some of the the ways. I, I think for me, the shift also happened when I was able to to tell my story. Like for example, the very heaviness of my story in the beginning of this podcast, and just say it, and just like let it be what it is, and let it be facts, and and let it not be a big deal. Um, that, that yeah, that's when things started to become a lot more free because I was like, you know what shit happened. Here I am. Like it it took away the shame in it. Mm -hmm. And to not have shame. You took back
1: your power on it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was good. Me too. Because I feel like, you know, if somebody knows you and they're like, oh my God. And they want to like treat you with kid gloves and you're able to say like, yeah, I went through that, but that was a long time ago. And like, we're here now. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you can kind of just like be like address it. Mm. Yes, this happened. Mm -hmm. Are we done now? Are we done talking about Mm -hmm. it? And then you can. You know, you release it from them and you release it from yourself and then you can just like harness your power and go from there. Yeah. It's my favorite thing yeah, to do. Yeah, because
0: like not talking about it also makes it like a thing, yeah. like the elephant in the room 100%. situation. You know? Mm-hmm. So definitely owning it, being able to own your truth and yeah. be the be the one that has the power over it and, and to speak it and say like this is fact, like that's definitely gotta be um empowering. Do you find it all no. like being more gentle with yourself
1: allows you to be more gentle with others, like people you care about? Or like if you speak your, to yourself lovingly at all? Like I find that if I can speak to myself lovingly, I I find myself more involved in being like, what you did was really important to me. Thank you for doing that. I like, But yeah. because I can give it to myself, you know, Is, do you find 100%. that at all?
2: That's, yes, I do. And that's a good point, because it's, that's actually a really good check. When I start to get, like, testy with people and, like, critical or resentful easily, or, like, I'm just pissed, because I know that's my go-to. Like, like that anger, that uh, that ickiness in me is a very big sign that I'm not doing the work for myself. So when I start mm-hmm. to see that showing up, I'm like, what's going on here? Like, why yeah. am I? So that's a good, a good test of, like, go, go back to your own practice, your own self-love. Um, so you can like actually authentically radiate
1: that yeah for sure and people
0: can feel it too Um, yeah what have we done Mm -hmm. we haven't done anything i'm curious to know (laughs) we've done nothing i'm curious to know because you're juggling so much how like what how you structure your days like do you have like Mm -hmm. mondays are for something or like is it like a like a time batching type of situation like how do you just how do you do everything and not lose your fucking mind? Do you have a social life? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> um, I, I do try to have the batch work. That, that is very helpful. Like if I if I do all of my client and coaching calls in one day, is it draining? Yeah. But is it nice to just get them all out, you know, recap in an email and move forward to the next phase and the next thing? Um, I try to. It's not perfect because it's everything is working around other people's time oh, as well. Yeah. Like it's the realization that like, I'm probably going to have readings in the evenings because people at work, um, but I do what I can. I definitely notice that I know my work day, like I know the peaks and valleys of my energy and I know mm. when to take a break and I don't, I don't force through it um i know the morning like there's there are these people who have these beautiful relaxing morning routines the second i wake up i get caffeine in my system and i get on my computer and yes. a lot of people say that doesn't work for them and that they want to do some flowery routine i can't because those 2 hours when i first wake up i'm going to get the most shit done yes. and i think i'm very good at working smart rather than hard so it's like get everything i don't want to do done in those 2 hours boom 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 then i do my calls and i go work out and i do the things that are easier but I just know myself now with the workflow, um, what, what which is. I also take, I, I
0: have a flowery ro- morning routine. Yeah, this so bitch I, definitely has a flowery <laughs> routine. My maintenance is fuck.
2: <laughs> I'm like post meeting, like Starbucks in bed, and like have <laughs> my laptop open and like one eye, like it's a mess. bad. it's, it's you not. well. nighttime routine then. My nighttime routine is definitely better. Like I feel like I have, I take more time for like my skincare, and like I'll, I'll like open like a. This book I have that has like a daily meditation, written, you know, I, it's a little more. And then you can um, decompress and then go to bed. Yes, exactly. I'd say tarot comes in like midday. Like that's mm-hmm. my check-in before like I take a break for lunch and working out and errands. Like I, Usually after I've like closed my computer, it's, it's tarot time. But sometimes it's only like five minutes. Other days, like I'll, I'll spread the cards out and I'm doing the whole thing. Just depends.
0: Amazing. I'd like to be a fly on your wall one day. (laughs) Just like watch it all unfold. Like watch the (laughs) cards like come out. (laughs) Um, so it's so interesting. Your life, your life just really intrigues me. So I like before we wrap up. We usually do
1: Vogue seventy three. Our version of Vogue. Our version. Yes, you're not going to get seventy three questions. But before that, (laughs) do you know what we're talking about?
0: Yeah, I love them. We're only going to do five. We're only going to do five, so you won't be here
1: for 73 questions. I always forget if it's 73, 72, or 75. 73. But before that, just like a tap-in question. Where were you, where are you, and where do you want to be?
2: I was living in shame from my story. I am empowered to make change, and I am going to find... A balance that doesn't exhaust me someday. Bravo. <laughs> How <laughs> random was that?
0: I know, but it, but it like really makes you think, right? You're like, huh. She asked me that question last time we recorded an episode without a guest. And I was like, well, I don't even remember. I had like food. I had food analogies. I know. She was Because like, I was like a, I was some sort of crusty McNasty that day. And I was like, tomorrow I'm going to be a French macaron. Oh yeah. Would you what say was, was I? I? I don't know. A hot dog. <laughs> probably uh-huh. <big> <laughs> um okay question. um so we're gonna rapid fire five questions at you and you're gonna answer them because you have to because we said so please <laughs> please, please and thank you so first question what's your guilty pleasure tv show
2: I just watched the entire second season of you in one day
0: yesterday.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I'm on like good. episode 6, I think. So good. I was hungover shit. And, and I just <laughs> You watched season 2 yet? Yeah. yeah.
0: I'm only I'm only in the episode where actually I shouldn't say anything in case anybody's listening. does not want to spoil But I'm in like episode like 6 and I'm getting frustrated. What were but, you hungover off of?
2: A lot of champagne. Oh my god.
1: Uh, <laughs> she's a bubbly girl too. I am <laughs> a bubbly girl. I the to the face. Face. My greatest and worst party trick is that I can put down a bottle per cycle by myself. Same. <laughs> same. She said same. She touched her heart and said same. Can't wait to meet you in real life.
0: <laughs> it's going to no, be very really. dangerous. <laughs> Seriously, I don't want any part of that. Um, She'll be drinking tequila, like straight tequila shots in the corner by herself. I know. Jesse and I went on a date last night where I'm totally sidebarring, but um, we got to the bar and I was like, you know, like when you're just like so tired that like, I was going downhill. And so I got to the bar and he's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Can you order me this? And I'm like, sure. And I'm like, can I have a shot of tequila? And I ordered my <laughs> drink. And by the time Jesse got back, that tequila was gone. I don't even know if he knew what happened. Oh, no. I just he just needed paid it. for, he it. Just paid oh, for it. He didn't know that it existed. <laughs> um, <laughs> sweet or savory? Savory. Ooh. What is your favorite yoga pose?
1: Ooh, um, Malasana. What does that mean? Where are your hands for that?
2: <laughs> it's like when you do, um, you're like, it's like a squat. You look like you're like pooping, oh, and yeah, you're, um, it really opens your hips.
0: <laughs> I like the squat. Nice. Um, true or false? If you don't use it, you lose it. False. <laughs> and our last mm-hmm. and favorite question: What is your
1: vibe? Ooh, my
2: vibe is. <laughs>
0: I wonder if we should like warn people because oh, everyone no. gets stuck on this question. No, we don't want any This is a
2: hard question. I know. My vibe is like, like marketed as chill, but really not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's an answer. Like the duck analogy where it's like super calm on water and then underneath it's just like freaking out. <laughs> Just keeping itself yeah. alive. <laughs>
2: you know, like I have friends who are like, I feel honored to know like the realist version of gate, like the psychotic crazy that can come out sometimes.
0: Um oh, the most fun. Yeah. And other
2: things, like, the grounded, like namaste.
0: <laughs> I mean like, but like this is a thing. I truly don't believe that any of these bitches who are like fucking namaste with their green juices all day long are actually like that all the time. There's just no, no way. How can you be? You can't be. Also, go away. I don't want you... I need, some, I need a little bit of like zest. <laughs> give me some, <laughs> give, give me a little zing. Um, <laughs> so do you want to pull a card really quick? Just tell us. Oh, something. Love. Whoa. I saw you had your cards in your hand. That's why Whoa. I said that. Just like pull us a card and tell us something that we don't know. Do <laughs> you
2: guys have a question or do you just want to see what people through? Needs?
0: Um. Now I'm on the spot. Now I'm like I don't know what to say. I mean maybe something about like like where maybe a little guidance for wanna vibe in 2020.
2: Yes. Oh, that'd be nice. That's what I was gonna say. Why don't we see what's what's going on with the horizon of podcast? Um, This is hot. Um. This is. Are you
0: sweating? You look. I'm sweaty. I'm sweaty.
2: (laughs) people so nervous. She's like rubbing
0: her thighs.
2: She's like. I'm like excited. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I will do This is my fast. favorite interview so far.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to put it out there easily.
1: Kate <laughs> is drawing cards as we speak.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes,
2: yeah, sorry guys. The silence.
0: No, please. Okay.
2: Um, you guys got four of wands. I think there will be a celebration in order do you guys have like like a milestone as far as like number of episodes do you, have you ever had like a podcast party have you ever had like any celebration around the podcast no but we, we haven't we haven't had
1: anything we would i think we would like to do at some point to like do like a get together of sorts but we got to try and
2: like a meet up. to that yeah,
1: yeah.
2: i would I like because it. then so that's the four of wands is all about um uh, well, fours in general in tarot are moments to pause because the cycle goes from ace through ten. So it's that moment kind of in between where it's like, you know, there's still plenty of work to be done, but uh, a celebration's in order, sometimes a big monumental moment graduation, an engagement, something. Um, if you don't have something planned, it's, it's a calling to do so and to create a celebration Ooh. for yourself. Ooh. You also got the of wands which is like a really it's fiery energy because of wands Aces being like a new spark of um usually creativity and passion here so i'm wondering if through that party and that celebration that shake-up of like the energy around the podcast like you even mentioned abby that like um or was it you said that considers like it a job as well like the podcast Mm -hmm. is one of your jobs and one of your tasks and one of your responsibilities like maybe you guys could get a new breath of fresh air creatively if you let it be a little bit more of a party for a minute.
1: We've been talking Uh, about that too because we're like, where do we take it to the next level? mm -hmm. How do we take it to the next Mm -hmm. level? And so, who knows? And neither one of us has taken the initiative. We We just keep going. I think we've just been like kind of nervous and busy and nervous. Mm -hmm. So we're like, I don't know how to like then take the next step. And (laughs) it looks like we just have to fucking do it. Yeah, let's jump.
2: Yeah, I just do it but you'll find I think you'll find that like spark of inspiration there if you, if you change up your routine and your conversation around it and make it um more celebratory
0: I love celebrating me too you want to get some Prosecco I was just gonna say can we <laughs> we'll fly Kate back getting Prosecco <laughs> <I> <laughs> be great. Kate you're so amazing this was so great Kate you're the best Tell so
2: everyone where they can find you you can find me online. Instagram is kate.van.horn dot um, or katevanhorn.com is my website where I, I put everything up. I have um, more retreats being announced soon, more stuff going on. So mentorship's always available. And yeah, I just appreciate you guys having me on the show. Thank you so much. Love you. We this love so you. Nice. <laughs>